Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Doug is a certified financial planner, providing you with a personal financial hotline to answer your questions about tax planning, investments, retirement planning, estate planning, and education planning. Doug and Linda are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing financial and investment services since 1983. Doug and Linda will be answering your questions on WPTF's phone lines anytime during the next hour. Call 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Call toll-free 1-800-662-7979. And for mobile phones, it's star 680. And now, Doug and Linda Lewis and Money Matters. Hello there, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters with Doug and Linda has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all of your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 20 years. And again, with me as usual tonight is my wife, Linda, who works with me in our firm, Lewis Financial Management. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. Doug and I are the owners of Lewis Financial Management, a registered investment advisory firm in Raleigh, providing investment in financial advice since 1983. For over 20 years, we've been answering your questions on the WPTF phone lines. They are your questions and our answers. So sit back and enjoy, or if you're free, call us tonight on the open lines. We'll take your calls anytime during the next hour. You're free to call in and ask any financial question about your own personal financial planning. Call us at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Or you can call us toll-free, long-distance, at 1-800-662-7979. Well, financial planning is everyone's business, and still for most folks, money matters are just a big puzzle. Folks have questions about planning for retirement, planning for a child's college education. They don't know the difference between financial planning and money management. They want to know a lot these days. They want to know what's a mutual fund, what's a limited partnership, what's a REIT, What's a will? What's a living will? And yes, it really can confuse you, but you're not alone. Because in a world crowded with new investments, changing tax laws, rapidly evolving insurance products, and volatile economic cycles, more and more people are looking for clear direction in their financial lives. And yet, unfortunately, the busier and the more successful they are, the less time they have to sort out their financial affairs. And people are asking, is there any solution? Well, yes, Doug, there certainly is a solution. Out of this increasingly complicated financial environment has come a new breed of professionals that are trying to solve people's money puzzles. And that's the Certified Financial Planner. It's the certified financial planner who offers something that people don't get from the traditional stockbroker, money manager, accountant, insurance agent, or bank trust officer. And that's a way to consolidate all aspects of people's financial affairs into one financial plan. It's the certified financial planner who knows how to pull together all six areas of a client's financial life. Doug, I think for many people, the first area of financial planning is cash flow planning with questions about their emergency fund, their mortgage, their credit cards, and reducing their debt. Well, yes, Linda. And yet for many people, the second area of financial planning is retirement planning. Those who are working want to know how to compute what they'll need to live on during retirement and how much they should be saving for retirement. They want to know what investments they should choose from the choices in their company's 401k plan. 
Others are retiring and have received a lump sum payout option from their company's retirement plan, and they want to know, should they take it, and if so, how should they invest it? Well, Doug, the third area of financial planning that must be dealt with is estate planning. For most people, over their working years, their estate has grown. How can they reduce their estate taxes? And they wonder, are their simple wills sufficient, or maybe they should be considering the complicated world of trusts? If that's the third area, Linda, the fourth area of financial planning cannot be overlooked. This is tax planning. People are interested in both tax reduction strategies and tax reduction investments. Home mortgage interest, charitable giving, tax shelters, tax-free bonds, questions about capital gains taxes, estate taxes, gift taxes, and how to sell real estate tax-free using trusts. What a confusion. Well, Doug, we can't forget the fifth area of financial planning, which is insurance planning. How much life insurance does a family really need? Do they have too little insurance or maybe too much insurance? Should they have whole life, term, or universal? Should they have long-term nursing care coverage? You're right, Lynn. And, of course, the sixth and most important area of financial planning is investment planning. Here, the questions never stop. What's the best way to diversify my investments? Is now a safe time to invest in stocks? What about bonds? What kind of stock mutual funds? Bond mutual funds, equipment leasing partnerships, REITs, CDs, gold, annuities. So, Doug, it seems that at last it's time for people to understand that a certified financial planner is really the only one who can tie together all six parts of their financial puzzle. And to you out there listening, if you've got a question on your mind about cash flow planning, retirement planning, estate planning, tax planning, insurance, or investments, call us now on the open lines and we'll answer your financial planning questions. Those numbers to call are 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. Out-of-towners, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And if you just want to sit back and listen to the callers through the years, welcome to the show. Investments through HBEC, Inc., Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management, HPEC Inc., and Lewis Financial Management are not affiliated entities. Well, good evening, North Carolina, and thanks for joining us once again on Money Matters. Doug, Deborah. Hello, how are the, you? The sun has set, and we're back on daylight savings, so. We are. It is a little weird that it gets so yeah, dark. It does. <laughs> so be safe out there. But it's nice. Yes, it it's is. incredible. And you know, this weather has had an effect upon the the leaves. They seem to be more intense. The peak season here in Raleigh, if I'm not mistaken, is higher than what we saw in the mountains a few weeks ago, Linda. Yes, intense. The the red maples. Mm-hmm. And- the, the the leaves turning here are just beautiful. Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the uh, the, the flip flop of the weather. Yeah, thirty two degrees in the morning and then seventy two in the afternoon. A little nippy in the morning, but we've had some beautiful days. Well, Doug, um, and we before we go on, we just want to salute all of our military folks out there, all the veterans. Uh, we appreciate you. We honor you and all the service that you have done. For your country and 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 for us personally, so uh, happy Veterans Day and uh, enjoy this time with your families and uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate our veterans. That we do. My dad was a veteran. He was in the military for twenty two years when he retired. So. So we appreciate all of our veteran listeners. 
Well, Doug, uh, an interesting article about how um, survivors, you know, when, when a person loses a spouse and they're the survivor, sometimes they can make some pretty big mistakes. It's a sad story, Linda, but widows, and I guess widowers, but the widows are the ones that we have uh, had more experience with through the years, and they're a special type of investor or of a financial planning client, and they need to be treated specially because there are serious mistakes that can happen in their life. And I was glad to see the Wall Street Journal address that issue. Um, you know, the, the article um, was quoted as saying that a, a larger share of people's savings is winding up in IRAs, even as the estate tax rules are getting trickier and the markets are growing more volatile. But... Uh, I guess when a person, you know, gets into this stage of life and they've lost a spouse, it could cause them to make some significant mistakes with their money. I think a lot of that has to do with there are so many rules, but it's I think those IRA rollover penalties that can pose the biggest problem. Yeah, it's a complicated issue because on the uh, on one hand. A widow should have no problem whatsoever with regard to the Internal Revenue Service with regard to taxes because if you inherit an IRA from your spouse, you can automatically roll it into your own IRA. Now, that's the base point, and you should always know that. The worst thing is to say, well, just I'll take the money and not roll it into your IRA because then you as the widow would probably end up losing about between a third and a half of what was in that IRA of your deceased husband. But there are other rules that come into play, and you can't make a set of of standard rules that fit for everybody because everybody's situation is different. If you're under 59 and a half years old, then the question is, well, do I want an inherited IRA or not? And if I'm not under 59 and a half years old, if I'm over 59 and a half years old, then uh, maybe the inherited IRA doesn't work for me. And then comes the question of, well, what about if your husband was already over 70 and a half and he was taking his RMD, his required minimum distributions, how does that affect me? But I think the bottom line in all of this is that you need to meet with a fee-based certified financial planner to look at your situation. There aren't a set of rules that work for every widow. Probably the worst thing to do is to do nothing. Well, Doug, um, what is what exactly is an inherited IRA? Well, an inherited IRA... Can you explain that for our listeners? Uh, yeah, it, it's one that allows you to go ahead and keep it in the name of your deceased husband, and then you follow the rules over there, it's a little tricky because the rules over there may not be at all what you want. You then have to start taking a lifetime payment out of it, which you may not have wanted to take because if you don't want to be fixed to a schedule, then you can roll it into your own IRA, not keep it as an inherited IRA, and then you can do whatever you want. And if you don't need it, you can leave it there to grow until you're 70 and a half. 
You can also dip in and take out whatever you want. If you need an extra 5000 or 10000 you don't have to have a schedule. So the inherited IRA has some benefits, but there are also some disadvantages. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis, and if you've got a question, you can call us on the open lines at 860-WPTF. That's 860-9783. And out-of-towners, it is 1-800-662-7979. Well, Doug, what are some of the other mistakes that happen with survivors? Okay, and, and before we go to another mistake, Linda, there is the matter that I want to uh, bring at least to our listeners' attention is you don't want the tax tail to wag the dog. A lot of these decisions of inherited IRA or not inherited IRA, uh, spousal rollover or non-spousal rollover, these are tax-driven decisions that sometimes I find are just meaningless when it comes down to the real-life situation of the client herself. You know, you've had a lot of contact with some of our widow clients through the years, right, Linda? Yes, I certainly have. And each one's situation is, is different. Some are still working and were working before their spouse passed away. Others uh, were retirees and never dreamed that, you know, at so suddenly when their spouse retired that, that, uh, that uh, immediately they passed away. Right. And so all those dreams of vacationing and traveling, et cetera, all gone because uh, either because of an illness or, you know, a sudden death. Are they always elderly? Not necessarily. Sometimes we have widows who uh, lost a, a, a spouse to, to cancer or other situations. Uh, so uh, it can happen early at early stages and later stages. But... What usually happens is the, you know, usually the husband is the uh, the breadwinner. And so they, because they have been working over a long, longer period of time, have accumulated assets, usually in a retirement plan such as a 401k or a 457. So, and then when the spouse passes away, they have designated their wife as the beneficiary of their retirement plan. Since a rule of thumb doesn't generally work for most situations, and probably more importantly in this one, if you wanted to not have that portfolio paralysis that can sometimes occur, what do you suggest? Well, it's a good term, Deborah, because portfolio paralysis is the term we use when you're suddenly thrown into this new situation, your spouse has died. You don't know what to do, so you just leave it alone and do nothing. That could be the worst decision to make because your risk tolerance as the widow may be totally different from the deceased husband. He might have been a high, uh, high risk taker. He might have enjoyed moving money back and forth. He might have uh, had a whole different risk profile, but in financial planning, one of the cardinal rules we have to deal with is that each person has their own risk profile. Even if they're a couple, when they come in to see me, Linda, so often 
I hear them say initially, oh, we're pretty much the same. Right. <laughs> what Not, happens right, here? Right, right, right. <laughs> Not usually, really. <laughs> they think they're the same until you start uh, probing and asking questions, and they're not. So then if, if one of them passes away and he was the uh, breadwinner and his risk tolerance was very different, paralysis of doing nothing could be the worst thing you can do. So really, uh, uh, widows need to assess their own risk tolerance, seeking help from a fee-based financial planner, and then from there know what are their next moves. Paralysis can be a very uh, devastating, uh, I mean, it can affect the rest of the widow's uh, financial life. Yes, there are uh, some situations where, as you said, they, they do have paralysis, and even after meeting with the advisor, they still don't want to do anything. And that's okay. As long as they're working with the advisor, then he, the financial planner, or she, the financial planner, needs to uh, um, you know, at least help her, the widow, go through the stages of uh, grief, grief and recovery. And recovery. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Now there's and, something else though, Linda. I'm and sorry. What's that? Well, okay, let me let me address this other issue because this other thing is the the it's a big one now because of the new tax law. There are future estate tax breaks that can be powerful, but the survivor, the widow, she could forego them accidentally because under federal law, spouses can now use what's called portability rules. We never had those before two years ago. Portability rules allows the deceased to pass a $5 million unused exemption to his surviving spouse, and she then can leave $10 million tax-free to their children. That's the good news, but there's a catch. Even if the first spouse's estate is valued at less than $5 million, that estate still has to file a tax return, a federal estate tax return, and elect portability. Mm. If you don't file that return and elect portability, then lo and behold, when the spouse who survives passes away, she can only leave $5 million, not $10 million, not 10. because mm-hmm. she didn't elect to go ahead and take the, uh, the portability. So those are the main issues. Uh, the bottom line, again, is you need to always seek professional help, especially dealing with situations that are sudden life changes. Yes, indeed. And, um, you know, uh, if you're listening this evening and and maybe you have, maybe you're not a widow um, and you're still married and you are working or you're raising your children or maybe you're getting ready to be empty nesters, whatever your situation is, um, don't wait. Enjoy life now. Enjoy the one you're with. <laughs> Love the one you're with. And if you've been arguing, reconcile. Because because um, you never know. Um, um, you just never know when your time will be. And so it's important uh, to work together, to have a working understanding as to your total situation. And then... Of course, if you do happen to be a widow, uh, then you still 
will need some hand-holding through the process of of uh, whatever your questions are. Right, Doug? Mm-hmm. Well, there was an article uh, in the uh, Wall Street Journal about are you ready to be a landlord and, and how investing and buying investment properties can be so risky. Did either of you happen to catch that article? I saw the article. I was really happy to hear it because, as you know, on this show, Deborah, for a long time, we have been warning investors or listeners or uh, our audience to not go into the world of real estate as an investment. And this article was very, very strong. I was very happy to see the article pointing out all of the heavy risks because so often what happens to us, and you know, Lynn, we see this all the time, clients come to us and they have become uh, landlords. They've gotten into investment real estate. And I have to be the bad news guy to give them the story that this is the problem that you're in. So the article focused at least beginning on the pitch, right? Yes, indeed. Let me just uh, announce uh, our numbers in case some of the callers might want to call in. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis, and if you've got a question, call us on the open lines on News Radio 680 WPTF. The numbers are 860 WPTF, that's 860 9783, and toll free at 1 800 662 7979. And our website is lfmadvisor.com. Doug, there are folks out there that are uh, being uh, baited to purchase properties. You're right. That are foreclosing that seem to be very inexpensive and a good deal. There's a sales pitch. It always starts with something really compelling. Buy a vacant house or an apartment building, rent it out to some Somebody, one of the throngs of Americans who have lost their homes to foreclosure, and the pitch goes on that interest rates are near record lows, property values are still slumping, get into the landlord business now, it's cheaper than it's been in years. It's a pitch. And unfortunately, with a surge of clients looking to purchase distressed homes and apartment buildings, not many are aware of what they're getting into, but for sure... They need to watch out for a slew of traps because there are traps out there that you only know once you're in it. And it's sort of like a one-way street. You don't get out of it very easily. Some of those traps might be prolonged vacancies or surprise costs that you didn't count on, deadbeat tenants, and difficulty refinancing and overestimating the rental potential. So let's take a look. Let's take a look at a couple of them and see why you want to avoid rental real estate as an investment. First of all, there is the matter of looking before you take the plunge because cheaper houses aren't always a good investment. Let's say even if a property was selling for half the price that it brought during the boom, that doesn't mean it's going to generate enough income to make the deal pay off. And determining the rental potential can be tricky. You know, is the right is it priced correctly? That's right. It's not easy to know how much you're going to for sure get on rental income once you buy it. And usually you've got a lot of mistakes that you missed in your factoring. Another thing to do is to look around the neighborhood, tour the neighborhood, see if landlords around this house seem desperate to lure tenants. 
Are there lots of vacancies? Are buildings offering deals like living rent-free for a couple of months? If that's the case, what should you do? Not buy. Not buy. Be wary. And the carrying costs can add up. Another pitfall for real estate investors is not accounting for the unexpected expenses. They're it always It looks like there. a good deal. It seems sweet when the interest rate is low, but... What can happen, Doug? Well, you've got the general maintenance expenses like taxes, insurance, and repairs, and these can be much higher than many investors expected. Uh, there are a lot. I mean, there was one guy in the article who said, you can't even fathom some of these strange costs. He said six months ago, he found a nasty surprise because he owns some rental properties after overseeing the eviction of tenants who were three months behind on rent, so he had dumb, he had to get them out of there. He lived in California, his rental house in California. You know what they had done? They had poured quick-drying cement into his sewer pipes, cost him $1,000 for repair. They had defaced the walls with graffiti. That's very common. Uh, angry uh, tenants, when you de- evict them, they usually will mess up Damage. the place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never figure those things in. Before you buy the property, but you better have because they're going to be coming at you. Unexpected carrying costs. They can add up. Another concern can be if you if you buy a piece of property that's far away from where you live, it can be pretty dicey. And, you know, for those better deals, these properties can be difficult to manage. So as an owner, you need to be ready to repair leaky faucets, collapse roofs, and all the other middle-of-the-night disasters, or else you're going to have to pay someone someone else to do it. And it pl- pays to p- plan conservatively. You know, don't assume that, that you will be able to attract renters immediately. Yeah, those, uh, uh, those issues, they are going to add up, and they're definitely going to be there. And so a lot of people say, well, why don't I just go ahead and and get someone to manage it for me, a property manager. And that's true. That is a typical way to do it. But the property manager charges 8 to 10% of the annual rent for their services. And so by the time you factor that in, you can be having a negative cash flow. And it is very, very common for me to be analyzing clients' financial statements in my office and see that they have, at best, a break-even, maybe a, uh, a negative cash flow, and why they do this thing. I think the big uh, one of the biggest points that the article made at the end was how that it might be difficult to refinance. You know, even though these rates are low right now, <laughs> the banks don't like landlords. I mean, the banks are very attracted to homeowners in their refinancing, but they don't like dealing with investment properties. Lenders can be very, very reluctant, even though you may think that you're going to be. Uh, refinancing real easily, you may find yourself in a problem. There was this one attorney, he owned, uh, uh, what did he say? He said that he was losing $24,000 a year on two properties that he had in Florida and then thought he would refinance and the lender just shot him down, declined his his applications to refinance the property. So he's stuck. And probably uh, one of the most important factors that you need to look at if you want to be a landlord is you need to screen your tenants with care because renting out your property to unreliable people can definitely be a costly mistake. 
and eviction proceedings can take months. Um, a chief uh, marketing officer for a technology company says that he battled for nearly 10 months to evict a tenant who had stopped paying rent in February on a four-bedroom townhouse somewhere in Maryland. I remember that. He said he went to court three times to get the tenant out. Finally, in October, he was able to get the tenant out, but the tenant had trashed the place, and he said it cost him roughly a third of his investment income for the year. He said it was one of the worst investments he'd ever made. So all of this adds up to saying, I told you so, don't do it. Don't go the route of investment real estate. Well, consider before you take the big leap. All right. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF, Money Matters. And if you've got a question, call us on the open lines at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. And if you're out of town, it is toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. Well, you're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis, and if you've got a question, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on the open lines at 860-9783. That's 860-WPTF. And if you're out of town, call us toll-free at 1-800-662-7979. And for cellular callers, it is star 680. Well, Doug, let's take a caller now. Well, Dean, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? I've got a couple of questions. What kind of cost are you looking at for, for financial services such as yours? Well, I never go ahead and mention advisory fees on the air because they differ according to clients. We charge at our practice. We charge by the hour. Some planners go ahead and give a flat annual fee. We do offer that to certain clients. Other planners go ahead and charge any number of types of either by the hour or by the quarter, by the month, by the year, by the plan, and so forth. But if you'll call the office during the week, Linda will go ahead and she can discuss that with you a little more. My job tonight is to really to sort of educate you as to what's out there and how a planner functions. Okay, good. good. The other question I had is about re- retirement. I'm sort of remiss in getting any retirement plan started, but uh, I recently uh, talked to an insurance agent who suggested that I or suggested a plan for me, and, and when he brought forth the plan, it essentially was a whole life policy uh, and uh, investing a certain amount in that each month and it building up over a period of time. Uh, and I really was trying to find out if there, you know, one, is that is that a sound way to go about it? I mean, obviously, I guess I can use the additional coverage, but I feel like I have enough life insurance coverage. Life insurance is an arrangement between you and an insurance company that you will pay a small amount of money, called a premium, as you and I know, and that at the time that you die, the insurance company will pay your beneficiary a whole bunch of money. And if you go ahead and buy a $100,000 policy or a $500,000 policy and you go ahead and make the first monthly premium of maybe it's only $500 and you die the next month, then your wife won because she got a half million dollars and you only cost her $500. Okay, that's the gamble and that's called, that's called risk management. That's exactly what it is legally. It's risk management. Interestingly enough, it is against the law in North Carolina, according to the insurance commissioner's regulations, to use the term investment with regard to insurance. One of the things he was saying was that if one, it was would accumulate the money would accumulate tax free. When you think about what's accumulating in your insurance policy, what you're doing is you're paying more money than the real cost of that insurance, and it's going into an accumulation account that is cash value. But before it gets into that cash value account. First come the commissions that go out, 
Then come the uh, administrative cost of running the insurance company and so forth. So that cash value, yes, you are able to borrow out your own cash value. And yes, it does accumulate tax-free, but my goodness, you, if, if your goal is to accumulate money, do it over in a mutual fund or an investment. Because the day you start to take money out of that insurance policy, out of that cash value account, you're basically taking money from your future widow. You see what I mean? You're borrowing from the death benefit. And if you borrow out long enough, you'll collapse the insurance policy. So don't confuse the two. Insurance is not a retirement vehicle. It's not an investment. So essentially, if I've got enough money to invest an additional sum of money each month, it would be better off even if it's not a tax, or maybe there's other way to do it tax-free. Absolutely. Tax -free. First, we do need to look at the risk coverage necessary and buy an in inexpensive 20-year level term policy if we need to go ahead and have a certain amount to cover. But the amount of money for retirement, you need to put that money monthly into an investment program. But I just wanted everybody out there to understand that insurance is for death protection and investments are investments, and we shouldn't confuse those two. And if you have further questions, call the office in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And we appreciate your calling. Okay, you. you know, I like Dean. <laughs> he's, got, he's got his head screwed on right. Time with excess money becomes the key to achieving financial goals. There was really one interesting article that sort of played the numbers out, and I liked it. The question was, can I retire as a millionaire if I only have $10,000, and how do I do it? And the answer was under this little topic called the 7% solution. The millionaire is very easy to achieve depending on your age. So let's say you start, Lynn, Deborah. Let's say you start with a certain assumption. I want to achieve a million dollars by the time I'm 65 years old. What's the first thing I need? The first thing you need is strong discipline and sustained effort, but it can be done. Now the question comes, what are the two assumptions? First assumption is, how old are you? And second assumption is, what kind of return can I assume over the long term on my money? So if you use a 7% assumption, 7% inflation-adjusted return from a portfolio of U.S. and international stocks, bonds, and cash, that's not overly aggressive, it's not. But if you assume that, then... In order to save, you have to understand your spending. It's really less about where the money's invested and more about your ability to be disciplined. So you have to start early, and you have to start putting money away regularly, right, Doc? Well, that's true, but let me ask you a question. If you're 40, you can't say, I'm going to start at 25. No. You've already passed. But wherever but you are, you're exactly right, Lynn. Where you, is it? <laughs> now, let's, let's, let's play the numbers, and I'll show you something very interesting. If you're 25 years old and you want to achieve a million dollars by the time you're 65, do you know how much you have to put into your account every month? How much? Only $320 a month. You put in $320 a month, you assume a 7% annual compound rate, and you will have a million dollars, assuming you started with that first 10000 You just added 320 a month. And you've got a million dollars, and you started when you're 25 years old. Now, there's a lot of 25-year-olds out there. A lot of our clients have kids, and they want to pass this wisdom on to their kids. That's it, $325 a month. $320, okay. Let's say the kids are 35 years old. 35 years old, you know how much they have to put aside? 
How much? It's not bad. It's only $775 a month. Starting at 35 years old, you got a $10,000 start, and you add $775 a month, you will have a million dollars by age 65. And at 45? Well, at 45, Deborah, and you're not 45 yet, but at 45 years old, Deborah, guess what? All you need is 1850 a month. 1850 a month, and you achieve a million dollars. It's never too late. The key is the discipline. So here we are at the last quarter of the year, and it's getting close to the holidays, or maybe you're getting some you're inheriting money, or maybe you're getting money for Christmas or Hanukkah. So take that 10000 start adding to it. And then add diligent. to it, and that's why we call it pay, pay yourself, yourself first. first. So what if you're 55 years old? I'm you? not even talking about that one. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that one. If you're 55 years old, you need to come and see me right away. We got, we got a caller calling in. Let's take our caller real quick before the show's over. Who's on hold? I'm, I'm calling Doug Lewis. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Welcome to the show. Yo, you have to talk a little louder. Okay. Here's the thing. My husband passed away for your, uh, it'll be five years. He had a stroke. Oh. And he always said that. So uh, yes. <laughs> He's a big, big um, gap there. But. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Um. He, uh, I'm leaning down to get uh, slippers because of my feet get cold. Anyway, I'll try to make it quick. Um, he always said I should take out more insurance on you. And um, he had, he, well, when he died, um, he had $70,000 in, I guess, uh, insurance or whatever it was. I don't know. Uh-huh. The truth. And um, I have three boys, all adults and families, and one daughter. Uh, my daughter, of course, is the one that took me into her home. And I took um, 20000 and had them build a room for me. She had a large carport, and it, the room is 18 by 14. A beautiful room uh, for me. And now the thing is, um, I've got it in, um, uh, I can't think of the, the bank. It's a big bank here in town. Okay. So you have the money in the bank. I have money, I have money in the bank, and I've, because I've been getting my, um, Social Security check, which was a thousand, and then, um, uh, I guess uh, the Hold on I'm gonna, just a let, moment. Let me put you on hold because we hear the music coming, which is going to end the show, but we will still keep talking to you off the air. What was your name? Virginia. Okay, Virginia, hold on one second, and we will go to the other phone, and we'll talk to you off the air. Okay, I'll hold on. Everyone have a great week, and thanks for listening to Money Matters. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug and Linda in Raleigh at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. Listen again next Sunday at 605 for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on 680 WPTF.